Hi, and welcome to episode 69 of Walk to Work. So in this episode, we're continuing and finishing the conversation I had with Tara, Michael, and Araha at Berlin Movement Immersion Camp uh, a few weeks back. Uh, before we get into that real quick, wanting to let you know, Jess and I are still teaching uh, our online blues classes. Um, I've had a bit of an injured shoulder in recent weeks, which is why I skipped last week's podcast. Um, first skip in a year. I'll allow myself a skip from time to time. Uh, but uh, classes are going uh, really great. I'm really excited how uh, teaching online uh, with uh, a live audience, uh, so basically they can see us, we can see them, and we can really uh, drill down on working with specific technique over a period of weeks and then having different content each time. So this past month we've been focusing on uh, femur heads, balancing on top of them, uh, using them to um, lever us from one uh, point, uh, one step to the next, uh, using them as uh, a rotation point for movements such as fishtail or trucking or grind. Um, and so basically taking one really kind of complicated technique element and working for, with it uh, for a while uh, in different contexts. Um, next month, uh, so we're skipping next week because we're away. And so classes start again 7th of November. We'd be delighted to have you. We're going to be focusing on uh, sit bones and the pelvic floor as a kind of technique element probably throughout some of November. Uh, yeah, join us if you'd like to. So last uh, week, um, the conversation with Tara and Michael, they have uh, a new daughter, Araha, who is uh, five-ish, probably six months old by now. Uh, and they described, we discussed how um, they ask people who interact with Araha to seek her consent beforehand. They discuss some of the things they do with Araha that some people might find a little bit um, peculiar. So, for example, they spend a lot of time um, telling Araha about future plans. Um, they seek to reassure her when she ha is experiencing negative uh, emotions but don't necessarily seek to change those emotions. Um, we discussed how uh, it could be a little bit challenging having a, a baby because the baby has a bunch of wants and needs, uh, many of which are sort of physiological and can't be ignored, and how you can sort of find uh, a balance as um, a parent uh, seeking to do that. And in fact, Tara and Michael, uh, for them, co-parenting is extremely important. So it's a balance that they find as um, co-parents. Uh, we discussed uh, how they were able to attend uh, the immersion camp in the first place and what the um, constraints on, are on that and how you respond to a baby's, need, uh, baby's needs during a seven-day-long uh, dance camp. Uh, and finally, we discuss some of the ways that um, Tara and Michael try to find out or figure out um, what uh, Araha uh, is needing or preferring at any given time. And one of these things is really interesting to uh, dancers as uh, Tara and Michael's, um, sorry, Araha and Michael's primary mode of interaction is with her facing out from him holding her uh, in front of him. 
and she will lead him towards the things that she wants. So, for example, towards the computer uh, for music. So anyway, yeah, if you want to know more about that, listen to last week's episode. And in this week's episode, we're going to continue that conversation. Uh, I'll leave you to it. Enjoy. Uh, and we said we wouldn't uh, talk about things uh, that Araha does, uh, but one of the, and I'm not an expert at all in babies and where they're usually at around five months. Araha has a lot of head up uh, and kind of looking around. Yeah, you do, don't you? Uh, and so it's, it is very clear, like specifically who she's interacting with and which direction she wants to go, uh, even when looking from outside. Yes, mm. and she's. Um, yeah, she's had a lot of that since she was really tiny, actually. She's, um, you know, been, like, really making eye contact since she was very little. Um, just, yeah, very interested in people. Um, yeah, and, and she's just uh, very aware of the world around her. But we were finding um, a few weeks ago that... Um, you're at, we were at another dance event and Tara was getting funny, she was interacting less with other people because when she was with Araha she was more often feeding and sleeping and inwards and when I was with Araha she was like going around and saying hi to people so I was interacting with people with her yeah. and Tara wasn't so that was a, that's something we are working on how to, how to not have that mean how gets this interactions with other people. Yeah, because I... Well, the, some people would be able to just come and spend time with me while I'm feeding her. She's usually asleep for the bulk of her feeding time um, and she's not disturbed by quiet conversation. But we have to actually make the invitations to make that happen. Yes, and also it's only some people. people. <laughs> Normalised breastfeeding in public. <laughs> Yeah, but also just have people, like, yeah, I mean, yes, but, like, people don't necessarily, just because people are breastfeeding in public a lot doesn't mean people are going to understand the specific details of how things are going to work for that mother and that baby. Mm. Um, So I think people still need to communicate. So maybe also consider the option that uh, a breastfeeding mother is available for interaction or not available for interaction and being a person she can make that preference known uh, yeah that you could you could ask like yeah. but ask in a sensitive way <laughs> would, would it be welcome if i came in to talk to you sometimes um i don't know to what extent other babies are allowed to drink in their sleep because it's so often advised against and, and it probably makes a big difference if the baby is awake during mm. their meal whether that will really work I just found that she does both her drinking and sleeping really well simultaneously, so I didn't see any reason not to do it. And my mum said that me and my sister were the same. Hmm. Most of the things you do, you're saying it's kind of intuition and you have this new person that you've met five months ago and you're getting to know her. 14 months ago. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Probably not really. I mean, I wasn't aware of her existence quite quite at the very beginning. But, um, yeah, I guess Michael felt like he really, really met her in December December last year Mm -hmm. and me somewhat sooner. Um, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we had a time where I was resting my hand on Tara's belly and I really... Um, I, I use the image of like sinking through the layers of skin and, and muscle and fascia and as I just rested my hand there that eventually I, I hit a point where I just tuned out all of Tara's movement and I could completely feel the movements below. Again, dance technique. This is, <laughs> this is an image I got from a, a contact improv class. Not, not for... <laughs> not for interacting with unborn babies. No, but for interacting with different layers of yeah. one person. But yeah, I, I felt so much movement. Um, not just the, the big kicks, but like I could really like visualise a whole body under there. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I really felt like that was a a, a connection. Um, and I, I had the the feeling of um, moving the fluid in there. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're leading someone, you're not thinking, "Oh, use my hands to." steer them and to make the movement so their foot goes you just like you've intuitively made the connection and then you like think foot goes there and yes yeah so i, I was thinking like uh, my awareness was in the the fluid and i was like swoosh the fluid around and like, i guess i was making micro movements with my hand to like do that but like i was making these movements um, and and feeling her movements respond to that and like we were dancing. <laughs> so I, I stand corrected on timeline. <laughs> yeah. There was an especially cool thing that he used to play a game with Aroha before she was born where he'd ask her, Aroha, are you in August? And, um, <laughs> and sometimes she'd pretend to be an organ and sometimes she'd be like, no, silly daddy, of course I'm not an organ. I like, how do, how do we know which one? But like, <laughs> there, there's a feeling <laughs> And then it was so funny, about a month ago, he asked Aroha, are you an organ? And she did the exact same face that she mm. used to do when she was pretending to be an organ. I, like, how can we know that? We couldn't right. see her, but we just really recognised The face that she made had the feeling that we had. Like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like, when, when she was in there, I was talking to her a lot about, like, you, let's listen to all these organs around you. You're learning from them. Like, you have those organs growing inside you, and the organs that are around <laughs> you are teaching your organs. You, what your organs are going to be doing <laughs> like, but yeah we really we so recognised her expression from like when she'd been like, like seven, seven months we probably inside. just sound so weird <laughs> we, yes, <laughs> we do but like it's true like we're just going to talk about like, like <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. I did want to talk about that no, we that really was... had met her before she was born yeah and and like no, this, this, is, this is not weird, weird happy now. Like, <laughs> it's like, if, so, like, um, babies recognise voices, like sound passes through the, the flesh, and so you can tell when a baby's new, like, if their father has been talking to them in the belly, by, like, whether they recognise and, like, turn towards the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked a lot, <laughs> and and when when I was away for a few days, I, I recorded a song for her and Tara played the song to her at the ballet. So that 
Oh. One time I played it to her after she'd been born, and I'd been totally forgetting that it was recorded before she was born. So I was like playing it to her, and it was like, Hope you're snuggly in the tower belly, or something like that. I was like, Oh. <laughs> but yeah. like, but yeah. Because she's the same person, so it just really hadn't, you know, obviously her birth was the major event of her life so far, but, you know, I hadn't sort of thought about the fact that. That came before then. Yeah, and the, like the, the fact that you can forget, oh, that was before she was born, as like an example to to show how we were really conceptualizing her as already a person who was yes. present. Yes. Um, when it was getting towards that time. Indeed. And so one of the things, so a lot of the things you're saying is sort of intuition and meeting this person, uh, interacting <laughs> in a way that seems reasonable to interact with a person. Uh, and there's a couple of things that you're sort of deliberately doing, uh, like with the potty training. Uh, the way that you're talking to someone else, Michael, the other day, uh, was saying that you're kind of potty training yourself. Yeah, I think that was me. Oh, that was you. We were both saying. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so Araham mostly uses a potty um, rather than nappies. And um, you, you could call it potty training, but it's, uh, it's not potty training for her at this stage because she doesn't actually have the physical capacity to move to a potty. Um, so it's... Well, we, she, she has... Yeah, she, she when, when can lead you to it, but, like, but she's not always being held. Yeah, um, yeah and, uh, but, you know, so we need to help her. We still need to support her on it, even if she does move herself to it. So it's actually potty training for us in that we need to learn to interpret um, her communications about when she needs to use it. And yeah, it's not, this is not necessarily about trying to get her um, completely toilet trained any earlier. Or <laughs> like that. This is just yeah. how, how we do things now, how, how we're choosing to have things now. It does very often result in earlier toilet independence or whatever it's called, but not always, and that's that's not where we're looking right now. We just we we do this because we find it a really good way to do things now. Mm -hmm. A good way in sort of all the terms like practical and we're sort of mentioning how sort of children are doing things in their diapers uh, in public uh, the whole time anyway and yeah. so one that's kind of undignified for the child to be doing that in public to a certain extent or to be able to not have agency over where they're doing it and when they're doing it and also uh having we or poo in your nappy is not a fun experience yeah it's not too bad but poo in nappies it just goes everywhere this is actually a lot cleaner mm. um you know when when she poos in the potty it's um it's the same as when you do except a bit cleaner because like Breast milk poos are quite runny, so <laughs> it just goes straight down. You've just got a tiny little bit to clean up. It's really tidy, um, and and then it just goes away in the toilet. And um, yeah, uh, so we don't have to either wash pooey nappies, which is a jolly pain, or use disposables, which is absolutely awful for the environment. Um, yeah, so so that's nice. But um, the other thing is that it, if you do things that way, um, it really forces you to pay attention 
to your child's needs in at least one domain and once you're doing that then you just definitely are already paying attention and you pick up a lot more about mm. their needs as well and yeah often the sounds that Araha is making are to communicate that she needs pocket and we find that uh, a, a lot of people meet her and say oh wow what a happy baby I, I thought babies cry all the time what's going on um, <laughs> beautiful <laughs> beautiful um, yeah so like maybe one of the reasons some babies are crying is because they're feeling these things going on inside them and they're like expressing I feel something in my bladder and something's going to happen I don't know what it is and, and that's not being responded to um, but we, we don't really like people praising her for being so happy um, because like, one doesn't have to be happy all the time. Yeah. But yeah, what people are seeing is that she cries less than they expect babies to. I think it's not just that. Like she, she really, she really radiates happiness <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> she, she has a lot of joy, and people are really appreciating that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I. I don't quite hear it the way you do, but I do understand you wanting to assure her that she doesn't have to be happy all the time. But what I see is that they are saying, I see your happiness and I yeah. really like it. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, Express what you feel. And so she expresses a full range of emotions and we get to be excited to, to witness them. Hey. Hey. Um, but sometimes when she's doing what we definitely know is just a little cry to say she needs to do a week, or actually most of the time if she does that in front of strangers they'll like start trying to like comfort her or something (laughs) (laughs) and that's a bit distracting for us because we're in the middle of figuring out how we're going to take her from her wee um but yeah i think it's uh it's not an unfamiliar sound for people that they don't know what it means and it's just something that you try and comfort the baby from and if you comfort and calm the baby, it does help them do their wee, so it's not such a bad response. Yeah, it's really like... Not, not... It's really interesting to see how the digestive system connects with the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, which is true for us as well, but like, a lot of things you see more clearly in a baby because they have less oh, yeah. layers of stress and trauma built up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, like she, she can be crying from something else and something she was upset by and then we calm her and calm her and then whoosh, here comes a wee. Mm. Like, because when, she, when the stress of that emotion is released, the whole body relaxes, including... Um, and telling her that we're proud of her is oh. amazing for relaxing the bowels. <laughs> you have to be careful that she's over her body sometimes if you want to talk for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's really true. We are really proud of you. So I was joking earlier that the next step uh, after a podcast was clearly writing a book and you were 
um, wanting to make clear that that, uh, even in jest, wasn't something that you would feel appropriate. Um, but it sounds like the sort of recipe that you're using for parenting is uh, Araha is a person who has wants and needs and emotions, uh, and so long as we're actually trying to listen to those and meet them to the best of our ability, everything will go great. Like there's a book, um, Nappy Free Baby, that we found useful for the toileting things. Yeah, and it contains stuff that is also useful a bit more generally. So that's not our weird idea, that's like a <laughs> well-studied practice. It has but that is a different good names. book for it because it takes a very relaxed approach. Whereas I've had some other books are very like all or nothing and if you, you know, aren't succeeding 100% you might as well give up and use nappies. Mm. Um, which is silly. A lot because of, you sorry. get reason poos everywhere anyway. And baby, like no we use nappies depending on the situation. Yes. Right. Uh, Even though, like, uh, yeah. I hear you don't like nappies if you <laughs> no, avoid she, them, right? she'd prefer not. Mm. But a lot of babies, even babies who are totally habituated to nappies, still complain about having them put on. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, like... Hmm. There's different terms we've heard for that practice. Elimination communication is... <laughs> That's an yeah. American one. <laughs> of course. It's quite nice for the, the rhyme, um, but it's a bit, <laughs> bit dry-sounding, technical. But um, we like the term natural hygiene. People didn't evolve to use nappies <laughs> um, the, way, the way this is practiced in... Some so traditional yeah, cultures yeah. is that people are outside more None and you just hold them mm-hmm. over the dirt where it's appropriate to go. Right. Uh, like, it's not. Mm. It's not. It's a thing that's becoming more prevalent in Western society in recent years, but it's not a new thing. Mm. It's one of these that's things that were forgotten. <laughs> practiced a lot around the world. A lot, still. Um, and then I suppose that probably, like, you know, people from our civilization go and try and bring the wonderful civilizing thing of disposable nappies all around the world. Um, <laughs> Religion and disposable nappies. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe as a, a last uh, topic for today... Um, I think for a lot of people it seems like parenting is a very stressful thing because lots and lots of people have opinions about how you should parent your baby. Uh, and A, not all of them can be true uh, <laughs> at the same time. And I guess B, um, everything has consequences and you're kind of maybe scared of, oh, maybe I'll say something the wrong way and that will be scary or upsetting or mean and not what I intended to say. Is that a thing that you kind of feel under a lot of pressure to get it right? Or... I don't understand that last thing. Who, who are you being mean to? Oh, that you would be un- unintentionally say something uh, that uh, would be upsetting uh, to our or her. We do no. that. We're not. That doesn't stress us. Um... Um... Or just that you would unintentionally or intentionally uh, do something that actually isn't the best thing yeah. for a child insofar as that's knowable. We very much accept that that, is, that we can't possibly expect to do everything 100% perfectly. And yeah, like when, when we do things that 
upset her or hurt her, that we talk about it, we apologise to her. And, and actually one thing helps. that's important to her is that we don't get annoyed at each other about doing things mm. not ideally. Yeah. That... Um, she she gets so upset if one of us is annoyed at the other and we just have to like apologise and forgive each other because like she insists on it and then she'll come <laughs> down when we do. Yeah, it's sometimes <laughs> really frustrating because you, you don't want to you don't want to say I'm sorry and the baby's crying and you're like, Oh, do you want the potty? No you don't. Do you want the, <laughs> no, no. Surely you want something else than me apologizing to my wife. <laughs> Nothing works. And it's like, oh, okay, Tara, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she was quiet. <laughs> it's really like mm. frustrating, but good. <laughs> good. I just find it super adorable. It is adorable. Mm. You are adorable. Mm. Any last thoughts? Mm. Mm. On on the topic of it being hard with opinions from other people about how we should do things, it maybe helps that we live on the opposite side of the world from most of our family. And don't even have close friends around, especially who are parents. Um, Yeah, most of our close friends aren't parents. Yeah. my closest friend who is a parent is on the other side of the world too. <laughs> um, and obviously that also comes with its challenges. And we certainly do ever get stressed. Like, it's not... <laughs> we're not claiming to manage to be stress-free parents. But what we do... You do want to go Michael's very good at trying to generally have a philosophy of not having lots of stress in our lives, he invented this thing of saying, let's stress <laughs> when I was getting stressed about things and he didn't have <laughs> stress. Yeah, so I was like, okay, we have to do that and we're running late and I'd be like, yes, let's stress. That'll be fun. And uh, like, we realised that. <laughs> I'm just realising you might be the only person in the world, Michael, who could do that to me and me be like, I see your point. <laughs> Let me calm down. <laughs> no, I doesn't always like it. Not always, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's often effective. Mm. Hmm. I think it works better if you haven't gotten very stressed yet yourself. You yeah, yeah. If I, re- if I realise, oh, we're getting stressed after I'm already quite stressed, then... then hmm. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's all learning mm. and... And it's a ton of work, and we definitely think that we have to have more of a community around us if we were ever going to yeah. be so bold as to have a second baby. Yeah. And like, it would help with one. And yeah, we don't want to go on your podcast and be like, we are such great parents and we do everything perfectly. And it's like, hey. it's, it's hard. <laughs> um, but I we do, to be honest, have quite a happy baby, and maybe we're just very lucky. But I think we do a lot of things right for him. Yeah, I think I think we're doing quite well. So um, we'll, we'll have another chat in a couple of years and see how that turns out. Yeah, out. yeah, we might be like, whoa, Howie, we didn't know at all. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a good place to leave it. Mm. Thank you, Araha. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Greg. Thanks again to Araha, Tara, and Michael. Um, 
This was a little bit of an unusual uh, pair of episodes for me, going a little bit out of my comfort zone. As you can see, could see from my questions, I know very little about babying or parenting or anything. <clears throat> so it was uh, really fascinating for me to, to discuss this uh, at such length uh, with uh, with Tara and Michael. Um, if there are kind of topics that you people that you'd like, hey, Greg, you should totally go have a conversation with these people. Uh, let me know. Um, and I guess, yeah, I will see you next week. Until then, take care.